Welcome to Fire Your Therapist, a podcast with a radical perspective on mental health. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Dan. Welcome to Fire Your Therapist. On today's show, we're going to find out about Carrie's alter ego. Which one? Whichever one comes up first. The others will just have to take a pass this week. <laughs> you only get one. I only get to have one yep. right now? Yep. How do alter egos work? How do they work? Yeah, I mean, do well, they talk to each other and decide which one's going to come out? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? This is your topic, Daniel. <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting into. I think I have to check in and say, you brought this to me <laughs> saying you wanted to talk about it this week, and I don't know where we're going with it, but I trust you. Danger zone right there. Anytime anybody says the sentence, Dan, I trust you. I don't know where you're going, but I trust you. That's. Uh, I think you're trustworthy. Enough. Sign. So have you seen, let's check in first before I, I explain this. Do you ever totally think, checked in. What do you want to check in? You on? were checked out while I checked in, so it's your I turn. I was. I was. Where was I? What did I miss? I just said I don't know where this is going. Oh. So I'm a little bit like, hmm, okay. 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 Uh, I don't know if I have anything to check in about. Um, Maybe you could talk about where this came from. It came from a uh, group experience I had earlier this week uh-huh. in a group that I facilitate. And it was a really interesting conversation. So I thought we could have some fun with it. Okay. All right. So have you seen the movie Fight Club? Yeah, a long time ago. A long time ago. Do you remember the basic premise of it? Is there a spoiler alert Well, here? yeah, sort of. I mean, <laughs> well, two okay, basic, well, now we've said it, right, so you can turn it off basic if you Basic premise number the one is the, the, the fight club, the like bunch of people that fight, right? Yeah, and I remember the end of the movie is like a twist, but and everyone's like, whoa. But right. I can't remember what the whoa moment was. Okay, it's do you remember so the long. two main actors in it? Nope. <laughs> Ed, Ed Norton and um, what's his face? I think Brad Pitt. I'm not sure about that. Anywho, two main actors. You don't remember the movie, do you? No. Okay, so at the end, you realize that they're the same person. Okay. If you are listening to this and you haven't seen Fight Club, I'm sorry. Anywho. <laughs> uh, you don't look that sorry. That is, <laughs> I'm not that sorry. If you haven't seen it by now, you, you, oh well. Um, by the end, you realize that one of them was a alternate personality of his. Okay that had manifested itself and now I'm getting a little like analytical about it had manifested to take care of problems in his life that he couldn't solve such as uh he had a lot of pent-up resentment for consumerism and for the culture and for like the economy and how sort of the world works and marginalizes people or turns them into like zombie rat race always just fighting to keep up and buy the next product from ikea and watch the next american idol and i gotta watch this movie again so he has this sounds whole great critique of the they don't go into it in detail but he's resentful of this consumerist culture okay uh and he's also very isolated and um you know maybe angry and doesn't really have any outlet for his emotions so his alter ego sort of emerges as a much more um, destructive character than he is in his normal life. Um, What's his of, normal life? Being alone? I don't remember. I think he's like a... Um, I think he answers phones for like sales or something like that. Mm. I don't quite remember. 
something okay. that feels mundane to him. Um, and he starts trying to, you know, find connection and community and his emotions. And he starts going to like random support groups and lying that he has the problem that gets you into that group just so he can be around people, be around people and get some support. Yeah. I have a question. Um, when he's in his typical life, his normal life, you called it, uh, he's not angry or aggressive in any way. Like he's pushing no, he's all pretty, of that down yeah, yeah. somewhere. He's pretty mild mannered and represses all those feelings. And then he goes elsewhere and acts that, that all of those things out. Yeah. Well, so when you're watching the movie, you think that he has made this new friend Mm-hmm. that has all these exciting adventures to take him on. Mm-hmm. And they like start the fight club and they start doing all this stuff together. Like they get this house for the club to live in and they start making it like a, I don't quite know how to describe it, but this sort of like cult. Right. Okay. Uh, the back, and they fight. And they fight. But the, so it's very aggressive. The, the underlying story is that eventually he's going to use this fight club as his like army uh-huh. to... Um, sabotage the system and another spoiler alert the final scene is him in an office building looking out the window and like a dozen giant bank office buildings explode because they had planted explosives to take down the economy or whatever wow okay I'm, i'm totally ruining this movie for anybody who hasn't seen it but the point is the point is uh and where this um conversation about the movie goes into the the alter ego and the interesting like psychology topic for us is um, if you had an alter ego and you didn't know you had it and it was coming out during times when you weren't aware it was happening Mm -hmm. right so in the movie um, Jack the main the first main character starts to see clues he starts to notice things changing because he thinks that his friend uh, uh, Tyler I think is the other character Mm -hmm. is doing these things he doesn't realize it's him. Oh, okay. He thinks it's his friend. Right. But he sees clues that his, his friend has done right. things in his life. Okay. And at some point, his own crew, who knows what's going on, and he doesn't, oh, okay. knows that he doesn't know that he's him. Mm-hmm. So at the very end, he's like, you guys, you know, stop doing this. Don't do that anymore. Don't do this. And they're like, yeah, you told us you'd say that. <gasps> and he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you warned us that you would, you would you'd chicken out or you wouldn't go through with it. So we're, we're not going to let you. And he realizes that they've been talking. It's always him anyway. So what was the question? If you had an alter ego? If you ego? had an alter ego. Me? Sure. Okay. Or anybody. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but then again, I do want to put you on the spot. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you had an alter ego mm-hmm. that came out and took care of things for you, expressed the things you couldn't express, went and solved the problems you couldn't solve, not necessarily always in a good way, right? It's just manifesting the things that you repress Mm -hmm. what would it take care of for you oh wow what would it take care of for me yeah what would it what would it go out and do that's a good one (laughs) i think my normal person whoever i am right now uh i guess i when depending on the context that i'm in i'm pretty flexible to the situation or um everybody has like a dozen sub personalities and it's the part of you that manifests when you're in a different context so when i have a conversation with my grandmother 
I'm a little different than when I have a conversation with a four-year-old, right? Of course. And different than when I have a conversation with my boss. Uh, And I, I think it's more comforting when I get to be more of who I feel that I am when I'm speaking with my boss or speaking with my grandmother. You know, like that's a great feeling because then you feel like you're being a little bit more true or they see you a little bit more. They allow you to be more of who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any situation <clears throat> that I've ever experienced. And I, I don't know if this is what you mean, but I don't know if there's ever been a situation where I've been so not true to who I feel I am that I would need an alter ego to come out and do that for me. But now that I consider it, there are a few people I might talk to <laughs> with a different with a different voice or different personality uh gosh that would be fun i'm thinking of the possibilities mm-hmm. you want to know what would they take what would that alter ego take care of for me sure i mean oh, i don't know it's have you considered this question i have do you have an answer um yeah can i hear it <laughs> <laughs> um well, I it's a think really personal question. It is a it? personal question. Yeah, I have to consider I it. I think, um, and you, you probably know me enough to know this already, but I, I spend a lot of time trying to um, determine what's needed in a situation and uh-huh. as best I can package myself to, to show up as the thing needed in that situation. Yeah. And I think um, sort of maybe like the character in the movie a little bit, but because um, I definitely know at times when I have, you know, drank a lot or otherwise sort of disconnected my sort of typical day-to-day self from <clears throat> how I show up in the world, I get a little more destructive, a little more belligerent, um, a little less polite. Um, so I think that would definitely come out in my alter ego. So someone who's a little less controlled? A lot less controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more ambitious. Uh-huh. I think uh, probably anything from like, you know, speaking at conferences to picking up girls at bars to who knows what. Like I'm, I'm certain my alter ego would be uh, extremely ambitious and arrogantly confident. You know, now that you say that, I think I, I know what my alter ego would do for me. So... I have the therapist disease and or I had and I'm a recovering <laughs> person with a therapist disease. If you don't know what that means, it means I was groomed in my childhood to be a caretaker, so to speak, or to, you know, um, take care of other people's feelings. And uh, I learned that and, you know, followed the path that most people with this disease do. They go to school to become a therapist and... Uh, and you realize everybody has this thing. <laughs> They're all caretaking all the time. So once I started to recognize that, then I started to recognize the areas in which I was caretaking. And then you start to recognize the areas in which you are caretaking, but you don't want to. And then you have to make a choice. Well, do I continue on this route to become a therapist and uh, do that the rest of my life? Do this thing that I'm actually really good at, which is take, right. you know, take care of people's feelings or help people with their feelings, whether you're taking care of them or just listening or whatever you're doing or do you decide oh I was made into this person and I don't really like that and maybe I don't want to do this the rest of my life and so you take the other route and you decide I'm never going to do this again and I was you know uh, 
I was groomed to become this thing, but I don't have to be. So there are people that I'm very careful around their feelings because I realize that they either don't have the resilience that I do or they're they're in such a fragile state all of the time that I kind of want them to have a sense of a security around me um, when I know they don't have it anywhere else. That's something that, I don't know, I just feel useful or whatever. In, I'm talking about like friends and family and stuff like that, not necessarily when I'm seeing a client, um, but maybe with someone who I'm not necessarily purposed to help change. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if you're not coming to see me for psychotherapy and you came to me with the intent of you know, changing or growing or becoming more self-aware or whatever, and you're just in my life, I might caretake you a little bit more. But I think my alter ego will go tell those people off. <laughs> they would probably say everything that's on my mind. But I don't think that that's useful either. Hmm. But if I had another side of me, now these are people like I think of someone who's very oppressive. And I know that they're oppressive because they haven't, they either have an issue with power and control or they've been hurt somewhere in their past. And so naturally my heart goes out to them. But I think my, if I had an alter ego, they would probably voice the things that, uh, that are true about them. Like the part of me that analyzes people Hmm. would just be very vocal. Like, okay, so you're oppressive because when you were a kid and, you know, and like go into like my assumptions, I guess. Right. Right. And care less about, uh, you know, how that impacts them. Because I wouldn't, right, isn't that the idea of an alter ego is that there's no repercussion really? Right. Or not one that you're aware of. I mean... That would be nice because to you, you're unconscious of it. But um, I think my original framing of the question of what would it take care of for you might have implied that it was supposed to be positive. It was supposed to be good. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it isn't necessarily. It's really just um, the expression of the unexpressed. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I mean, there's a part of me that does want to express when I see something true about someone. Um, but I, I'm not the owner of all truth. You know, I don't know the truth about ev- everybody right. else. I'm sure right. there's always a context to support. But when I feel like I do have access to the context, like let's say that I know someone has been, you know, severely harmed in their childhood and now today they're acting, you know, in a certain particular way that is announcing to me that they were harmed in their childhood and I actually already know that happened to them. But they're not acknowledging or they're not talking about whatever. Now, I mean, like, that's a really delicate situation. Yeah. But I imagine that I would have an alter ego who wouldn't care how delicate it is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't think the alter ego would be helping me out um, in those relationships in the future, but it, it was definitely, I guess, serve a purpose where I value transparency with the people that I don't think can necessarily handle transparency. <laughs> right. And it sounds like uh, your alter ego wouldn't be too concerned if its truth wasn't actually true for the other person. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the question I wish I had led with. What would the embodiment of everything unexpressed look like? Mm. That's, that's cause that's where we've kind of headed. So yeah. there's sort of an offshoot question to this, which is maybe more rhetorical, but we could talk about a bit. Um, 
if someone were to answer this question by sort of implying that your day-to-day is your true self uh-huh. and this other version is somehow false, uh. it's somehow not you, mm-hmm. what, what do you think of that? Is that, what do you think of that distinction? The sort of true self, false self? I, do, I believe in false selves to a degree when I think it's being put on, but I only, I guess, I think I only agree with it when it's being put on consciously. So I've never met anyone who truly has an alter ego that they don't know about. You know, they, they have another self running around doing other things that they're unaware of. I've never met, personally known someone like that. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm an authority or have experience in that. Um, but when I think about, how did you phrase it? If someone said that the the version of yourself that you're calling your normal self was, oh, was true and that all of the other possible, that, that the alter ego is a false self, it's not real, right? So for the movie, that mm-hmm. Jack was the real person right? and that Tyler, the, the, the person he thought was his friend, helping him start this fight club and do all this crazy stuff was uh, his false self that wasn't really him. It reminds me again of subpersonalities. Um, I ran a group once and, you know, there were half a dozen or so people or more or something like that, maybe a little more. And uh, there was a topic that came up of how, you know, the the facilitators versus the group members, you know, they play a different role and how we were acting in different ways according to those roles. And then we had a whole conversation about who was doing what and why. And it came to the point where as a facilitator – I was asking myself, you know, how much of myself am I being here? Now, I was charged with the role of um, keeping the room safe. You know, how much of myself can I share and still have people feel, you know, safe around me? Um, You know, how, what kind of questions should we be asking or not asking to ensure safety? And then I was at, I was uh, mocked actually (laughs) for for not being myself. Hmm. And at that time, it was so distressing because I was being myself. I was being the part of myself that was allowed to show up in the room because there was there was such a variation of personalities and needs and all these things to balance. So the, the part of me that showed up was the part that was allowed to show up. And so I had a conversation about the supports that I would need to show up more fully in what I deem to be my true self. But the part of me that did show up was me. It was just the creative and adaptable part of me. Just like when I go and have a conversation with my grandmother. You know, the part of me that shows up is me. Mm-hmm. It's just the part of me that I know she knows how to interact with. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to measure the variables in the room. and I'm going to decide, um, do I need to be a professional here? Do I need to be really transparent and bad word, but myself here? Uh, I don't think that those other things that show up are false. I think they're creative. I don't think that it's always safe to show every facet of yourself in every context. So I think if you're measuring the context, whatever part of you shows up is true. Um, But in the movie example, when he's completely unaware of this other part of him, I think the other part of him must be him as well. They're both true, in my opinion. Although, 
I know that there are contrived personalities in the world. I've seen them and experienced them and been around them. And um, it more of an act, I would say. And those, I don't know how true they are. Well, even if they are completely an act, mm-hmm. whatever that means, mm-hmm. uh, how is that not the most strategic version of that person to come forward in that situation? Well, I think it depends because I come from a, um, a performance background as well. So it pulls out a lot of things from people when you're going to go and put on another character and go and perform. So there's something about the intention of performing and manipulating. Right. I mean, think about the celebrities that have stage names. You know, Beyonce goes out and says that she's Sasha Fierce. And she's had interviews about it saying that that's a personality that the audience wants. So she becomes that for them. You know, it's like a very strong, sexy, blunt person who comes out and has this attitude that can't be controlled and everybody goes crazy for it. So she goes, yeah, on stage, I have to be Sasha Fierce. But she has a whole conversation about this character and this alter uh, alter ego. Nicki Minaj does the same thing. She says she's got dozens and dozens. But when she has an interview, she talks about them as if they are hers, not as if it's something that serves her audience. She just says, oh, yeah, this is me. I have this other thing. I have this other character called Roman. And when Roman comes out and she talks about it, you know. Isn't that just a language semantic thing, depending on people's... I don't know, because there's an ownership um, of it being you, and then there's a non-ownership. Hmm. And I think that matters, too, whether you're counting it as yourself or not. Like, I could go play a character that I would never do in my real life. I would never act out in my real life, because I disagree with the values, and it's not true to who I am, but I'm, you know, I have a job or to do or whatever, and I need to go be that person for now. And I wouldn't own that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's an outlying situation. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I think I have the same response to that framing of true self, false self, because basically what you initially said was that the context invites out mm-hmm. what it invites out. Um, and, and there might not be infinite possibilities there, but a context is going to influence what of us gets invited out. And so my, uh, my stance on it, which is probably similar to what you just said, is that any of that part of us that would end up being that alter ego are just pieces of ourselves for which we have not yet found a context that supports and invites them out. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they shouldn't be invited out. I'm not saying there's no, there's no, I'm not putting a good, bad lens on this, just that that's what they are. They're pieces of ourselves that there is no context that supports them to emerge. What about it as a coping mechanism? Like, do I become, you know, um, if I'm in the middle of the gay community and I have an opportunity as a woman to act more masculine, to be able to fit in with a specific group of lesbians you know is that is that something that I'm doing in order to better cope with the context because it's expected that's actually a common um, experience in the lesbian community where there's a lot of social roles there's a lot of uh, influence and pressure to be a certain way or act a certain way everybody wants to label everyone uh, and so to belong and especially for the gay community, because a lot of us have spent parts of our lives not belonging. 
or feeling like we don't fit in anywhere. And then you finally find something you want to belong to. Now everybody's doing the same thing. Yeah. Whether that's you or not, you know, you walk down Santa Monica and West Hollywood and a lot of the guys are wearing the same outfit and speaking with the same voice, but they came from the Midwest or wherever, but they found something that they, um, they, a place where they belong and something they identify with. And now all of a sudden they all have the same, you know, sort of personality and it's developed around the culture. I think that's no different than the part of you that shows up when you go to see your grandma, you bring out the side that nurtures the relationships in the context that you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was also thinking about coping under the, under the name of um, like a pen name when people put out a book and they use a different name. And sure. I, I think that falls under the coping category rather than an alter ego right. category. Well, yeah. and sometimes I think the content of what's being put out under that pen name might not actually be very different from who that person is. Right. The name is really just, you know, strategic for... But it's a personality. I mean, J.K. Sure. Rowling did it twice. Sure. She omitted her first name and she put out Harry Potter because she wanted to appear uh, male or gender neutral one or the other, so boys would read her books. And uh, I guess as put forward by her publishers, and then uh, she put out another completely different book under a male, full, fully different male name for a second series later. So she hmm. had two pen names. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, I hope it was an interesting topic to talk about. I certainly uh, <laughs> had fun bringing it up with you. That was fun. Um, I wonder Any- what came up for people listening. Yeah. yeah. For anybody who has seen Fight Club, I'd love to hear your take on, you know, was Tyler actually part of Jack? Was Tyler some false self? Was it, you know, good or bad that his unexpressed self came out in that way? Is that I, your checkout? I think so. That's my checkout. Uh, my checkout, I just want to name that we didn't fully get into um, dissociative identity disorder or uh, multiple personalities, people, it, it used to be called. And I think maybe we'll have a full show on that in the future. We may or may not. You do. Sure. <laughs> okay, you do want to have a show in the future. So we didn't really get into that. And, um, and I, I don't think we fully talked about a traumatized state of mind and how people can become something else when they're being actively traumatized. Oh, absolutely. But that's a whole other, that's a whole other show as well. Absolutely. But um, if anybody had questions on those topics, you know. That could fuel a future discussion as well. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, You can check out our website, fireyourtherapistshow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FYT Show. And you can like us on Facebook. And if you want to email us, feedback at fireyourtherapistshow.com. Fire Your Therapist was produced by Yumi Media. Subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes or go to fireyourtherapistshow.com where you can find podcasts, resources, and more.